hello everybody. Welcome to the All Day Buffalo podcast. This is Eli Fox, the voice and the host of the All Day Buffalo podcast. I am so glad that you are here today joining me on this beautiful Thursday. Um, This is going to be a great episode. We are going to be talking all about what happened in the NFL draft, Um, specifically about what happened in the Bills NFL draft or the 2021 draft. Um, and the 2021 draft for everybody else in the AFC East. Um, I just kind of want to overview the other three teams, but I will talk about each pick for the Bills and then just kind of graze over the bigger picks, in my opinion, um, for the other teams that are in our conference or in our division who we are going to be battling twice a year. So let's get it started early. Let's get it going quick. Um, So let's talk about the Bills first. The Bills had an interesting draft, to say the least. It almost seemed like everyone got what they didn't expect and what they didn't want. Um, But not everyone is Brandon Bean, and not everyone makes Brandon Bean-type decisions. Um, So I think that is important to know heading into this draft and then even more important to know after it has already happened uh, because obviously there's nothing that you can do about it. And Brandon Bean is going to make the best decisions for this football team. He won executive of the year for a reason. um, And he is no slouch at his position whatsoever. So let's get it started talking about these bills picks Um, at in round one, pick number 30 to About everybody in Bill's Mafia's shock. We take Gregory Rousseau, a defensive end out of Miami. Um, At first, I wasn't... I'm not going to say I wasn't happy about this pick because I knew we needed edge help. I knew that this was a big guy, but I didn't know too, too much about him. So after we picked him, um, I kind of did a little bit more research, kind of looked at some YouTube videos, watched a little bit of film on him. Um, Saw some videos that came out later on Twitter that night um, and was instantly more excited about the pick. So he's 6'7", like 275, 270 range. That is a freakish man. There's a picture of Russo next to McDermott and Brennan Bean, and he literally, it looks photoshopped. It looks so fake and... It, this is the type of, of 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 body we need on the defensive uh, line, somebody who's who's going to strike fear in the other side, um, and I think Gregory Rousseau can be that guy. Um, he's not an NFL ready prospect. He's only played, I think, one full season as a defensive end, an edge rusher. Um, in high school, he played wide receiver and safety. Uh, I, I mean, I get why he's six seven. <laughs> you want that big guy at, uh, going down the field catching balls, but now that he's at the size that he is, he's perfect for the edge rush. Um, so I'm really, really excited about this. In the moment, I'm watching this draft. It's about 11.30. I'm probably staying up way too late for the time I got to get up in the morning, but whatever. I got to see what they pick. And... We get past about like the 20 pick range, and JOK is still there. Jeremiah Owosu Karamoa. And I don't know how many times I tweeted that night, 
all right, JOK's still there, JOK's still there. We're, we're going to get him, we're going to get him, we're going to get him. And we get to pick 30 and we take Rousseau. And this is why I wasn't too jacked up at first. I was like, fuck, we completely blew it on JOK um, because he's a, he's a special type of defender, you know? He, he's, he can play that Buffalo nickel. He can play really any spot in the defense and he can be successful and he can make a difference. And he's extremely NFL ready. I think he would make an impact ASAP. Um, but we pass on him. And then I get thinking, why did we pass on him? And the only thing I can really think of is there's got to be something we don't know. Something we don't know about JOK, whether it is a character thing, whether it is a physical thing that's going on with him, um, or the Bills just don't think that he fits the system. Um, every team's got their draft boards, and they usually stick to them pretty uh Pretty, pretty tough. I mean, they, they usually stick to him. So I get why Bean didn't take him. Uh, it didn't fit the, the draft board that they had set up. Um, and if they wanted Rousseau, if they wanted a, a certain edge rusher, then they're by all means are going to go for it. So like I said, after further review, I was not upset with this pick whatsoever. I'm actually very, very excited to see this guy take the field. 6'7", 275, how can you not be excited to see that? Um, so that's going to be fun. Um, next up in the draft, we take at pick number 61, Carlos Boogie Basham Jr. out of Wake Forest, another edge rusher. And at this point, I'm like, damn, Bean, you really want an edge rusher. But like, I, like last pick, I had to kind of think about it, had to – Pull myself back because I wanted to feed to Melifonwu. I was a big CB first guy um, and then edge rusher. And like the, the way that I would, I mean, obviously this doesn't really matter because I'm not Brandon Bean or a, a great football mind. But if, if I were to take the people that were on the board in that moment, knowing that Carlos Basham would have fell to 61, I'm taking Asante Samuel Jr. first and then Basham. Because of that, then that then covers the CB two spot, and it also covers the edge rush spot. But I do like the way that he did this draft. Um, this is piling up on edge rushers for a reason. I think that he is kind of looking towards the future. We know that that, that this coaching staff and this team in general are always in a process. They are trusting the process. They are moving in a certain direction. So I think that Brandon Bean made these two picks back-to-back because they are setting up for the future. They are going to groom Gregory Rousseau. Carlos Basham might honestly be a guy that gets a little more playing time than Rousseau at first because he's definitely more, more of an um, NFL-ready kind of body and more of a, a, a better a better physical and, 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 and game speed guy that can definitely make a difference now. A lot of people were high on Basham um, pre-draft, and they're still high on him post-draft. So this is an exciting duo that we could potentially have. Jerry Hughes is still here, but he is definitely on his way out pretty soon. Uh, he's getting up there in age and getting down there in production. Not saying he's not producing, 
but he is getting older. And you got to take that into consideration. Um, and I think that is what Brandon Bean is doing here and Sean McDermott. They know that the end is coming for him and one of their best edge rushers. So with the time that Jerry Hughes still has left on this team, I think that putting Jerry Hughes with these two young guys, along with A.J. Epinesa, is going to be really, really crucial to the development of Gregory Rousseau and Carlos Basham Jr. And if there's anyone that's a better leader, or if there's anyone that's a great leader in this locker room for the defensive line, it's, it's 100% Jerry Hughes. So that's very exciting. Um, round three, pick number 31, we go with Spencer Brown. This man is an absolute unit. He's like 6'8", high, mid, 300 pounds. And that is just an absolute mountain of a man. Um, he's an offensive tackle. This is, I was a little confused why we were taking offensive tackles because we, we just re-signed Daryl Williams. We have Deion Dawkins on a long-term deal. But, you know, you got you to gotta think about these things for a second. And as I think about it, we don't really have much offensive tackle depth. So with this pick, it definitely adds depth. It can add to, you know, it, it can add competition for Daryl Williams. We know Deion Dawkins has his left tackle spot locked down. And I think that Daryl Williams does too. But this kind of lights the fire a little bit. Um, and it also is a fallback option if Daryl Williams doesn't have as good a year that he did last year. So this could be a really, really good pick. Um, not even, not even long-term this, we could know by Thanksgiving or late in the year that Spencer Brown might be the guy and Daryl Williams, um, ends up on the bench or if he's, if he's really not playing well, I, I'm a huge Daryl Williams fan, so I don't want that to happen, but We'll see what happens there. And the next pick in round five, we didn't have a round four pick. This goes at number 60, 161. We get Tommy Doyle, an offensive tackle out of, the Miami, out of Miami, Ohio. Um, more offensive tackle depth. Uh, there's not much more to say about this. Uh, he only played three games last season. I think he did get COVID, so he couldn't play the rest of the season. Um, or he opted out after that. He he still got a first-team All-Mac. He was the 2019 um, first-team All-Mac member. He played on an O-line that gave up only two sacks per game in 2019, and he's also 6'8", the same as Spencer Brown. So that's two massive backup offensive tackles that we have now that can be rotational. They can come in during injuries. We know that those big guys definitely get injured a lot. We had a lot of injuries last season, so it is good to plan for that. Um, so I'm excited about those two offensive tackles. Um, it would even be cool if one of them found a way to become an interior offensive lineman. I don't know how possible that is. I don't know how easy of a switch that is. I've said this before. I'm also not a huge offensive line guru. Like I don't know too much about the offensive line. Um, but it would be cool if you know if if, if Cody Ford isn't playing well or or Feliciano is as bad as everyone says. That, those guys can pick up the slack, maybe. So let's move on to round six. We had three round six picks. Starting off at number 203, 
we get Marquez Stevenson. I'm really, really excited about this guy. I love guys with speed, so this one piqued my interest as soon as I saw it. He's about 5'10". He's got that burner speed. I believe he runs a he clocked a 4'4", 40, um, but he is said to run 4'3 speed in games. Um, and when you watch film on this kid, it is unbelievable. It just seems like nobody can catch him. Um, this is going to be competition for Isaiah uh, McKenzie. Isaiah McKenzie's spot is not locked up whatsoever, um, the, especially the kick and punt return spot. I know that Isaiah McKenzie has been grinding um, p- during this offseason with uh, Matt uh, Hawk, the, the new punter. Um, so he's been getting reps in as a kick returner and punt returner, which will be really cool. Um, and even if he does win the job, which he probably will, also a great backup plan and somebody that might be able to flex into the wide receiver room and uh, get some touches and, and learn a lot from guys like Diggs, Beasley, and even McKenzie. Uh, so let's move on to pick number 212. This was DeMar Hamlin out of Pittsburgh. He was actually Dane Jackson's teammate. Uh, he plays safety. Um, so I just looked up a couple things, something, some things that he does well. Uh, he's got good awareness in zone. He plays man defense well, and he has above average ball skills. So I think this is just depth at the safety position. Um, you know, we can't, we can't go wrong with depth at that safety position. We need good guys to back up our best guys, and those best guys in the defense are Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer. So it is very, very important that we get people that are more than serviceable. And DeMar Hamlin had a very solid uh, campaign in Pittsburgh, and he knows Dane Jackson, so I think that connection could translate well to the Bills. Uh, moving on to pick 213. This was the pick right after. Uh, we get Rashad Wild Goose out of Wisconsin. Uh, he's a cornerback, and he might have one of the greatest names in the draft. There's also We, we also got Carlos Boogie Basham, which is an all-time name as well. Um, I think Brandon Bean was just going for great names. Uh, besides the next one, he's a very plain one. Um, but Rashad Wild Goose is a, a physical cornerback, someone who can probably back up Trey White, in all honesty. Uh, if we got Levi on the other side and Dane Jackson or Dane Jackson, um, we just needed a little more depth at the cornerback position. Um, if, you know, like Rashad Wild Goose isn't going to be CB2. Um, most people probably know that. Um, most likely Levi Wallace is going to be. So we weren't drafting Wild Goose to be CB2. You don't draft a six-rounder to do that. Um, you add them for depth, and I think that he will be good depth, whether he is backing up Trey or he is backing up um, Levi Wallace and Dane Jackson is backing up Trey, whatever goes, however that goes, um, whoever gets the reps in whatever position. Uh, but that is an exciting one because he's got an exciting name. Um, but our last pick, our last um, draft pick of the, of the third day was Jack Anderson, pick number 236 out of Texas Tech University. He had quite the high school career. Um, he ended up at second team All-American and got f- over 40 scholarship offers. That's insane. He literally had his, his, his pick of the litter. 
He could have gone anywhere he wanted to. Um, he had a handful or multiple handfuls is what I said. He had handfuls of awards in college, including freshman All-American while he was playing at Texas Tech with the Red Raiders. Um, he is from uh, Frisco, Texas, I believe, um, right around Texas Tech. Um, so he grew up a Red Raider, a Red Raider fan, and then became a Red Raider, which is really cool. And now he's a Buffalo Bill, um, and he is an interior offensive lineman. He is an offensive guard. Um, so he will be maybe adding a little fuel to Cody Ford or John Feliciano's fire, um, but most likely being a depth piece there. So that is the entirety of the Bills draft class um and it was it was an it was a surprising draft i was surprised that we took marquez stevenson i was surprised that we took gregory gregory rousseau i was surprised about boogie basham and even spencer brown surprised me i thought we might have gone wide receiver a little higher um but with all that being said I am very fond of all of the people that we took. I'm excited that a lot of them are defenders or, off- <clears throat> or offensive linemen. It is where we needed help. Um, I think depth was a big reason why we may have struggled at moments. Even though we went 13-3, and there were certainly times where we struggled. So depth being a big part of this draft was a, was a real positive for me. Um, you know, we were just adding pieces. We didn't need anyone big. We didn't need to make a home run move like the 49ers and the Jets and the, the Jaguars. We didn't need a big namer to come in and play a big-time skilled position and make a massive difference because we have those guys. We have Josh Allen. We have Stephon Diggs. We have running backs who are more than serviceable um, behind a good offensive line, which I think will be better this year. Um, so I'm excited for these guys, whether they are depth pieces or major contributors in the offense and defense, I am excited to see how they play. And I'm just excited to get to training camp and get to see the guys back on the field and, um, hear some drama and, and get, get all the information. Um, it is going to be fun. It is creeping closer slowly and slowly. We are in May. We've got June, July, August to go, and we are finally at the NFL season. So just close your eyes. Maybe we'll get there faster. Um, But let's move on to the rest of the AFC East. Like I said, I am not going to go as in-depth as I just did, but we are going to start with the New England Patriots, who scared me so, so much during the draft. I think... I was paying more the, – the first half of the draft, I was literally paying attention to it. First, I wanted to see where Trey Lance went just because I'm interested in his journey uh, because he's only thrown like 380 passes in his college career, and he is like as raw as they come as a quarterback. You know, like it's, it's almost like I, the way I think about it is he can be whoever Kyle Shanahan now wants him to be. He can create a quarterback – to, to, to fit a mold that he wants him to be. So I was interested in that. Um, he also shares a lot of the same traits he, um, as Josh Allen. He went to a, a school up in the north Midwest. Um, 
so there's just a lot of uh, similarities there. So I was interested to see where he went. He ended up going number three to San Francisco. Um, so that's going to be fun. Um, so let's talk about the Patriots, though. The Patriots take Mac Jones at number 15. Number 15 overall. Mac Jones was not really supposed to slip this far. Um, he played at Alabama, of course. He was good. He had a an amazing lot of talent around him, as any Alabama quarterback does. Um, and he slid to 15. And the reason why I said I was frightened by all this was because I didn't want the Patriots to get Justin Fields at all. The one thing, I, I think if one thing happened, if that happened, if, if the New England Patriots get Justin Fields, the entire draft is a loss, in my opinion. Because I think Justin Fields will be that good. And I think a lot of teams are going to be upset with the fact that they passed up on him. Teams like Carolina, teams like Denver, teams like the Jets, 49ers, even people who took quarterbacks. The Carolina Panthers should have taken him, even though they just got Darnold. When you're in that spot, number eight pick, yeah, you've got Darnold. You just got him. Maybe you don't want to break his heart, but I think Justin Fields is going to be better than him, in all honesty. Um, and I've been a huge Sam Darnold fan for a long time, so it pains me to say that. But Justin Fields does not go to the Patriots, so that is um, a win in my book. I'm not worried about Mac Jones in the least. I am actually excited for our matchups, and I think um, even though Cam Newton will probably start as the quarterback for the New England Patriots, I think Mac Jones will get his opportunity because I don't think Cam Newton is going to make a big enough step to where he's consistently winning the Patriots more games than he was winning them last year. Um, and we know that he wasn't really winning them any games. Um, their defense was winning them games, and they were, weren't putting up any points. So I, I think Mac Jones will get his shot next season, um, and I think he will get it pretty early on. So I'm excited about that. Uh, they also got Christian Barmore, who a lot of Bills Mafia were high on. He is a defensive tackle. Um, he will be exciting to watch. So I guess when you look back at the New England Patriots draft, there's not much more to talk about than the, than the Mac Jones pick. Um, they like Mac Jones because I guess he's supposed to be the next Tom Brady, which is not going to be who he becomes at all. Come on. No one's going to be the next Tom Brady within another 20 years at least. There, it's just there's nothing, there's nothing that's going to be like that. And, God, I, ho I hope I'm right about that. So let's skip on ahead to the New York Jets. They had the number two overall pick, and they picked Zach Wilson. And then they also had the number 14 pick and took Elijah Vera Tucker. So they get Zach Wilson, and then they get him a little bit of protection um, because they needed that badly. They really only had Becton, who is a mountain and a very, very good offensive lineman. Um, but now adding Vera Tucker, who is a really good offensive lineman, um, that will add a lot of strength to that offensive line. And the Zach Wilson pick, pick I, think they, I think they screwed up. I think Justin Fields really should have gone number two. Um, but 
We'll see how it goes. I, I think of him as the prime example of someone who is going to be a bust. No disrespect to him, but over my time watching football and just seeing the way that you know draft prospects act, um, it, it, it speaks to you know like actions speak a lot. They speak loud. Um, so I'm not saying he's a jerk. Maybe he looks like one, but he also looks a little bit cocky. He's got that, that air to him, you know, the way that he walks up to, the, to get his jersey at the beginning as the number two pick. I just think there's no chance that this guy becomes elite, maybe average. Um, I hope he gets a good shot in New Jersey, but um, we'll see. We'll see what happens there. Moving on to the Dolphins, the final team to go over. They had a great draft, um, very good draft. So their first two picks of this 2021 draft were at number six and number 18. Uh, they picked Jalen Waddle out of uh, Alabama, giving Tua a very, very viable weapon. So now they have Devontae Parker and Jalen Waddle and Mike Gusecki. So they... Miami's really building quite a quite a decent team. Um, this is the only team that I'm worrying about in the AFC East. I think they are the only team that will give the Bills a run in 2021 to win the AFC East. I think they probably finish the season somewhere around 11 and six, maybe. They, they seem like they'll be good. They have great pieces. Their coach is really, really good. They're just kind of turning a corner right now, I think. Um, I think they're going to be a little bit more competitive. I hate the Dolphins, so I hate that I'm even saying any of this. But, um, you know, I got to be honest. I, I got to give my, my honest take on this. Um, I think they will be pretty decent. I see the Bills going 14-3 next year, maybe. Um, it, like, as in my, my, my humble non-homer take. Um, because I do tend to be a homer at, at times. Um, 14 and 3, 15 and 2, maybe. Um, I could see the Bills going somewhere, somewhere like that um, if they can keep up their, their great play from 2021, which I strongly, strongly believe they will because I think Josh Allen takes another leap and then he wins MVP. I might even bet on it. Screw it because I'm not confident in it. Um, but the Dolphins also got Jalen Phillips a defensive end at number pick number 18. Uh, he came out of Miami just like Gregory Rousseau, and they were kind of a nice little two-headed tandem uh, rushing attack. And um, this is another great pick. He's going to be great. Um, just adds to a, a pretty solid defensive line over there in Miami. Um a lot of Bills Mafia was high on Jalen Phillips, um, and, and a lot of them were, were low on him. So we'll see how he, how he pans out um, as, as the season goes on. It's going to be such a fun year. I, I think this, this draft really fired me up. Um, I think the, the Bills had like a solid B-plus draft. I think it could have been a little bit better in, in areas. Um, but overall, I mean, you can't complain. We were picking for best player available, um, as it seems – in the spots that we needed. Um, so you can't fault Bean for going for that when 
it really is what we needed. You know, best player available was our was our play going into this draft. So I love it. I'm all about it. But that's going to wrap it up for me today um, on the All Day Buffalo podcast. I thank you guys so much for listening. Um, check us out on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook, Built in Buffalo. That is the name of our company. Check out the podcast network on Spotify, Apple Music, um, or Apple Podcasts, uh, Google, and Anchor. I'm pretty sure we are there. So thank you so much for listening. Check us all out. We got a whole bunch of content. Um, every, almost every day of the week, we got a new podcast dropping. So don't be shy. Leave likes, subscribe, um, follow us, do all you can. Um, all that type of stuff is absolutely free, and it helps us out a lot um, for getting our message out um, and being able to talk about the Bills in the ways that we want um, and in the ways that we want you guys to listen to them. Um, so thank you so much yet again. And as always, go Bills. Peace out.